When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications a fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's time to peer into the future on this clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. That way you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. We're also live on bellyup.tv. You can always catch our episodes on demand on your Fire TV, LG, Samsung, or Roku devices when you download the Fox D Network app and stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Please give us that five-star review. really does help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I'm joined here. It's Thursday, so I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer on the my right-hand side here, my Thursday host. And then we have, of course, Brian Scott, 
Brian, we always love having you on. How you doing today? Your voice seems doing even better? Little by little each day. Getting a little uh, better. That's, that's what I want to hear. Chris, how are you? I am tired of the cold already, but I am better than the people in Buffalo are going to be doing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but before we even get into it, quick news. That game got moved to Detroit in case you guys didn't see that. So we went from potentially, well, yeah, we went from potentially having a blizzard to now it's going to be on a fast track dome, like a drastic change there. Uh, we talked a lot about that game yesterday, trying to give both sides of the coin of the fantasy analysis. You know, what happens if it's going to be snowy and windy? What happens if it's cleared up by then? Because there was a chance it could be cleared up by the time the game goes on on Sunday, too. And now it's like, well, actually, now it's going to be in a dome and on Detroit. So, um, you know, play everybody you're going to play with confidence. Anybody who's fast, because that's that's all you need. So there there you go. So I, the good news is I don't have to change my rankings. I didn't have my rankings reflecting the bad weather yet. I was waiting to see what would happen. So I don't have to change anything there. I guess that's the good news. But let's go ahead and get into the injury inquiries so we can figure out who the hell we're even playing this week and who is healthy. Injury inquiries. Oh. 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 Well, first up, I think we all know that this guy's not playing, but Jamar Chase still seen with crutches. However, <laughs> it sounds like the team is reporting they think he could be back next week. How does that work, Brian? Uh, cr- I haven't heard the crutches thing, but that's um, that's, that's how you open the good. week. Reportedly speaking, that he was still in crutches on Wednesday. Oh, that's then he's, then that's not good. Um. But, but he then he did next week somehow. Apparently, <laughs> he also uh, posted on Twitter and Instagram pictures of a cleat or a, a new pair of cleats to match the white game jerseys that they're planning on wearing this weekend. And then um, apparently was also uh, had like a, a praise to God uh, um, acronym uh, on his uh, Twitter account. So I guess people are making uh, assumptions that uh, he might be getting closer to returning than originally thought. Uh, well, I mean, you but, can match your clothes any days of the week. I don't. Yeah, yeah, but um, maybe. Yeah, I mean they're black and white cleats. They pretty much go with anything. But um, <laughs> uh, until if uh, until I get some more news and more information, um, I'm not uh, optimistic that we're going to see him back anytime soon. Um, and if you're maybe telling me he he's on crushes, that's even more uh, discouraging. What's that, Chris? So maybe he has Wolverine blood. We heard Russell Wilson hey. talk about that earlier in the year. That'd be awesome if he does, because uh, I could certainly use his help back on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> now, what he needs, he needs to take a flight to London and just do, you know, lunges for eight there hours. You go. Apparently, that was the cure <laughs> for is. everything. It's that high-altitude training. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some high-altitude we're going to talk about <laughs> later on today's show, actually. But, um, all right, so let's get to the Chargers injuries. And Keenan Allen and Mike Williams did return to practice to this week, limited both two days in a row. So now, and there seems to be a vibe with the Chargers that it sounds like they feel like at least one of these guys are going to come back, maybe both, but it sounds like at least one of them is. But what do you think about these two right now? Uh, I think we see Mike Williams this weekend. I don't, I still don't think we see Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan Allen was actually quoted as saying that, uh, uh, he's still not sure if he's going to be ready and um, had made some comments about, you know, he's been in this position before where he's been able to get back in a limited fashion, but hasn't been able to test it out. And last time he did, he had a major setback. Uh, so it sounds to me like not only physically, but psychologically, it doesn't sound like he's quite there yet. But Mike Williams, on the other hand, uh, participated in limited fashion today and yesterday and sounds he sounds more optimistic that he's going to be ready to play. And I think of the two injuries, um, he he has a better shot at making the backs uh, this weekend 
Um, but I, I don't think we see Keenan Allen still. Yeah, I feel like I tend to agree with you. We'll have to see exactly what happens there. Uh, Juju, we I don't think we're going to see Juju or be Cole Hardman. He goes on IR. Juju hasn't even cleared concussion protocols so far as I know. He did not practice today. No. Um, so it's going to be a while before we see him back. He'll definitely have to get through some type of physical, uh, stressful physical activity, um, which is part of the concussion protocol before being cleared. That could be anything from just working out on the side to doing limited practices and non-contact drills. So until we see him do something, uh, he's not anywhere close to coming off the concussion protocol. With regards to Nicole Hartman, some type of uh, abdominal injury, possibly an oblique strain from what I read originally, uh, didn't practice again today. Um, these are tough injuries because they involve your core, um, and especially twisting mechanism um, or motion. So that can make it difficult for a receiver to have to, you know, tweak his body to make catches and 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 moves to get open during route route running. So again, until we see somebody like him with that injury get on the field and do something in a limited fashion, um, we might not see him this weekend either. I like route running and. Because I, I like rat running and McKill Harbin in the same sentence. It was definitely doesn't go together very often. <laughs> well, I, I use that generically speaking. No, I'm just not so Uh We move to the Ravens. Uh, Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards trying to work their way back, both limited in practice two days in a row. Now, uh, the, the vibe coming up for the team is that uh, it sounds like both these guys could actually be active. Well, it, it sounds like Gus Edwards is going to be and i you know uh, i reported a few weeks ago uh, that was part of the plan was to give him a few weeks to kind of rest recover and get back now that we see him limited i think it's a good step in the right direction again it's a hamstring injury i think they were being more cautious with him more than anything because it was the same side of his surgically reconstructed knee so i think they were just being extra cautious which i think is the right move to make so i don't think he had any significant hamstring injury per se like keenan allen for example, but I, I do think they were being extra cautious. So he's had a few weeks to kind of recover and get back and did practice limited today. I think he's got a good shot to come back. Now, Mark Andrews, on the other hand, is dealing with two issues, one to his shoulder, one to his knee. And I did see reports that he was limited both yesterday and today. But then I also saw some reports that said he wasn't visible or noticeable in the field during the media portion of practice. So I'm not sure what that okay. means. That was today. Um, could mean he maybe had a little setback. Maybe they just not pushing him. Uh, I don't know. It's no, it means he's just not practicing in front of the media because he is practicing. He just can't it comes in a limited oh, session. No. He did. He did it last two days in a row. No, I get that, but sometimes that can be a red flag because they may not be wanting to tip their hat per se. Um, and maybe he had a setback earlier in the day before the media was allowed to be in practice, which may have caused him to seek treatment during that session. I don't know. Um, well, here, here's, here's what I'll jump in and say. Harbaugh was commenting today that he's actually feeling – he said he felt more yeah. than 50-50 about Andrews playing this week. So it doesn't – I don't think it was a setback. Can I ask uh, a real I quick question? Not. Yeah. yeah. Just to the to Edwards' you know, point you talked about, well, should we expect him to be kind of limited or you know, monitor his carries, Brian, if he's active? Yeah, no, I do think that uh, him coming back with dealing with a hamstring issue, you'll probably see him – um, start out of the gate a little slow, maybe get some limited snap counts in the first half, and then they probably see how he feels. And if he's doing well, they may kind of roll with him. But it could be one of those things where you, you might not know exactly how much you're going to get out of him until actual game time. Uh, let's move. Well, let's talk about some high altitude games. We got the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray is practicing. Yeah. He's still dealing with the hamstring issue. It was reported earlier this week that <laughs> maybe another week or so, but. You know, things have been going back and forth in practice so far. What do you think? Um, I think they're going to be a little extra cautious with him. I think they're going to uh, not rush him back. Uh, in the original reports, they were saying that 
they're going to wait till he's as close to 100% as they can be um, with that hamstring. And he was uh, available in a limited practice today, but um, they, they were, there were also reports saying that they're still not uh, 100% sure about his status for Monday Night Football. And he was also quoted as saying something along those lines. So um, I'm a little hesitant to uh, uh, give him the green light um, um, until I see him put string together multiple days of limited practice and possibly even a full session before uh, the weekend. Uh, and then, of course, stick with the Cardinals. He's got Marquise Brown. They opened his 21-day window up. He's been doing some work reportedly. Of course, right. he doesn't actually wind up being on the official injury report because he is still technically on the IR. But what are you thinking about him and his chances to return on Monday night? Um, I think he's getting close, but I still don't think we see him. Um, he was placed on IR, according to my records, on October 20th. So he's, just like you had mentioned, he's just shy, I think, of that window. Um, but... Uh, once you open up that window, um, you got three weeks. And um, I think he'll make it back before that window closes. I'm just not sure this is the weekend. Original reports were saying that they were going to maybe try and hold him out to that after that week 13 bye, um, which would be about six weeks from when he went down. So that would be kind of more in line with a fracture healing um, and giving him enough time to kind of get conditioned and get ready to play. So that's still a real possibility even at this stage. Well, and, and with the news about DeAndre Hopkins not practicing today with the hamstring injury that, I mean, frankly, we don't, we don't have a lot of information about because it didn't seem like anything happened in the game. There was nothing reported after the game. So with that going on, Rondell Moore might be, might be really, really busy. Is there anything in particular we should be looking for with Hopkins? Obviously, we probably will know more tomorrow. Well, yeah, uh, certainly pay attention to what happens tomorrow with his status and whether or not he's actually on the field. Um, this could be one of those things where maybe he had a little twinge or a tweak. Being a veteran, they might have just uh, listed him with a hamstring just as a um, kind of more like a, um, a procedural thing rather than actual being le- actually being injured. Sometimes they'll do that just to give a guy a rest day and not call it a rest day. So see what he does tomorrow. That's going to be the kind of telltale thing. Uh, how about how about Jerry Judy? This one was uh, <clears throat> this was wild. It was wild the way he carted off, the way the injury looked, and then all of a sudden, I don't think he's going to play this week, but he's listed as day to day. Yeah, that's a little surprising. Um, they did, I think, do some uh, additional imaging studies, like an MRI, if I'm not mistaken, which showed no apparent major structural damage, which is good news. Uh, but that being the case, it's probably still a pretty moderate sprain, which can still take several weeks. Um, he didn't practice today, so I don't think we'll see him this weekend. Um, we'll have to kind of see whether or not he's able to get back on the field next week and how quickly he ramps up his activity. But um, as we've seen before with some of these ankle sprains, um, you know, you feel good for the first couple of days. You step back on the field, you get some swelling, you end up kind of set back a step or two. So um, until he can string together some consecutive days on the field, uh, um, I wouldn't expect him back too soon. And uh, last but not least, I have on my list for today – uh, I should have lumped this guy in with the other Chargers, but Gerald Everett, he's dealing with a hamstring injury, but he's been practicing in limited capacity as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a good sign. Uh, if it was anything significant, um, and if it was an acute hamstring injury, there's no way they would let him out in the field. That's all I got for you today. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for breaking all that down for us, because it's, it's playoff push. We got to know who yes. we can play and who we cannot. <laughs> uh, so what do you got coming on, and where can we follow you? Uh, yeah, still still pretty active on Twitter. That's my kind of home base, at host Brian Scott, uh, the Injured List podcast on the other social media platforms, uh, theinjuredlist.com. Um, we should be having another uh, edition of Inside the Medical Tent on the Belly Up Fantasy flip uh, website as well. 
Um, so if you missed anything or if you're looking for some additional information, you can always find it there. And then um, I'll be on uh, Sunday morning on one of the other Belly Up uh, shows uh, doing a bright and early um, last-minute injury update. Um, it's 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I'll be coming to you live from Vegas uh, this Sunday morning. Vegas, so, baby! Yeah, looking forward to that. And I'll be watching the show tomorrow to get some betting tips from uh, from you, from you, Dan. So, uh, you know, make sure you direct it my way uh, if you have any good picks to, to go hit up at the casino. Yeah, make sure 10 p.m. Eastern, Cashing Friday, especially oh, I'll be there. If, for the betting part of it, especially the the, the half the second half hour at 10 at 10.30 on when Chaz Florey comes on the show. That's when we really give out a lot of the cash-winning bets. Before that, we had the DFS contest where we had the free giveaways, the Bill Bates jersey giveaway this month, guys. Make sure you're tuning in for that as well. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I can't wait till next Wednesday when we get you on. Actually, Brian, actually, I'm going to have to <laughs> just remember that. We're going to have to get back to you on that. I don't know what our Thanksgiving holiday spe- our schedule is going to be just yet. My hope is that it will be a regular week of scheduling, but we'll have to see how everything works out between now and then. Well, I might have to find a quiet corner to hunker down and be able to get you a good quality audio without any distractions. We'll have a house full of uh, family and friends, but uh, either way, I'll make myself available. Don't worry. Okay, sounds great. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. (laughs) No problem. All right, guys, have a good night. You too. Take care. That is host, uh, at host Brian Scott on social media. Make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you look for the Injured List podcast on your favorite podcast app. Because he is definitely a great guy to go after. Hey, we got our first question. Uh, Mo Diesel, Flex 1, Allen Robinson or Ayuk? Half point PPR. Should I trade Allen Robinson, Rashad White for Ayuk? I have Walker, Etienne, Evans, AJ. So that's that. That's a little confusing. So is he asking in case he trades for Ayuk? Which one to start? <laughs> Should he trade Allen Robinson and Rashid White for Ayuk? And I ha- he already has Walker. He has Etienne, Evans, AJ Brown, and Henry. So he's already got three right. backs. It's just, it's, it's just funny the way he leads off that question. Yeah. Flex one, AJ, uh, Allen Robinson. So he's Robinson got a flex that he's trying to fill with, with guy AJ and the re- Evans at the receivers. Yeah, it's just... It's just a little confusing the way he puts that. Um, I would not trade Rashad White right now. I don't care if you have Walker and Etienne. He's a he's a great flex play to be able to have. Ayuk's been Ayuk's been on fire, no doubt about it. I think if you're going to trade Rashad White, I think you can get a better wide receiver than just Brandon Ayuk. It's still a lot of weapons out there that I don't necessarily trust. And I know Ayuk has been on fire to this point, but at some point, George Kittle, Devo Samuel will have to get involved as well. Uh, not a bad move, but not a move I would make. No, I tend to agree. I know that Ayuk's you know, put up these numbers last couple of weeks, or last four or five weeks now. He's gotten you know, eight targets on average. So you look at the involvement in the passing attack, but you love that Rashad Wright's the starting running back for the Bay Buccaneers, who kind of seen what they found their offense the last couple of weeks. So if they're going to be handing him the ball and throwing the ball like they do, I'd rather have the running back and then options at the flex. I mean, I, I understand the Ike's good flex option, but I think I'd rather have White as my flex option. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get this thing started. It is the Clairvoyant Thursday. That means we were going into the second half fantasy football preview of week 11. Our first four matchups we're going to talk about in this segment are the Panthers against the Ravens, the Commanders against the Texans, the Raiders going into Denver, and the Dallas Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. So let's hit those obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. 
Yeah, obviously you're starting Lamar Jackson. I know he's been frustrating. I get it. He's a QB4 on the week. But the fact is, with Lamar Jackson, you always have the safe floor because of the rushing ability. Maybe if he gets Mark Andrews back, you'll have a little bit more efficiency in the red zone throwing the football as well. Yeah, I mean, basically you're you're frustrated because you're not getting the ceiling you can get for Lamar. He's not running as nearly as often as he usually does. And he's missing a lot of easy layup throws where he could have more touchdown passes in the passing pack. But even despite all that, he's still getting about 20 points. And then this year, you're still happy with that. Uh, we're definitely starting Josh Jacobs. He comes in my RB5 for me this week, even against Denver. Yes, I mean, prior to Derrick Henry, the Broncos have been a team you could run somewhat successfully on. Uh, and I guess... The other thing, too, is that with Denver, all they had to do was take away Derrick Henry. I think they had a lot to do with it. And obviously, you're starting Dalvin Cook against Dallas. I mean, Green Bay gave, I think gave, they gave Minnesota a blueprint. Run right at him. Don't be afraid. Aaron Jones went off. Dalvin Cook could do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's been the, you know, the game plan for Dallas if you're smart. You just run with the ball right at them. You definitely could be effective doing so. And Dalvin Cook seems to be kind of heating up with his Minnesota attack. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. I mean, and, and going back to like, you know, the Josh Jacobs and the Raiders and the matchup against the Denver Broncos, we got Devontae Adams. Now, for me, he still comes in my wide receiver four. You, of course, you're going to play him, but everybody's worried about, okay, well, are you not going to get a studly performance out of your big guy? But that has been the one receiver that has actually been able to have a good game against Patrick Tan, against the secondary. First game, he had 12 targets, nine catches, and went over 100 yards. This offense is so consolidated around Jacobs and Devontae Adams that the volume is not going to go anywhere, and therefore I think you'll still be okay. Yeah, you were the first time you played Denver, so why wouldn't you be again? I think that, you know, if anything, we've seen the Raiders use their weapons even less outside these two guys, and Adams is one of those guys that moves all over the field. The guy that you said, you know, already can beat Sertan. Sertan's awesome, but you know, Devontae Adams does a great job of getting all press coverage, and that's where he can kind of beat this guy. Uh, obviously, you start CeeDee Lamb. Obviously, you start Justin Jefferson. CeeDee Lamb this week with the nice match against Minnesota actually coming in at my wide receiver, too. It's a mixture of bye weeks, a mixture of other players having some tougher matchups. I have to tweak a little bit with Stephon Diggs. I think he was the only player that I adjusted a little bit for in case it was bad weather. Well, I'll tweak him right back to it. So he'll be probably in somewhere in that top three area. Maybe he leaps frog CeeDee Lamb. But the point is this, CeeDee Lamb's an elite play going into this week. Had a big week last week. We'll see if he can keep it going. And, of course, Justin Jefferson as well. And we're not really worried about the injury. I know he's listed with a toe thing, but he practiced in limited capacity the last two days. It doesn't really seem to be much concern about him missing the game. The guy I want to get into a little bit more, though, with Minnesota, 
is TJ Hawkinson, who comes into my tight end four. He's an obvious starter for me. He's had 19 targets, Chris, in two games with the Minnesota Vikings. I think they want to get him the ball. Yeah, they definitely were trying to figure out ways to heavily involve him. You know, this game got a chance to be high scoring. So if that turns out to be the case in years, you got this thing to be involved. Um, he's become that guy that they, you know, trying to justify the draft picks they gave up for him. And some of the things that they want to use, kind of like Hickey, who's been using the Rams. So he's got an opportunity to have the targets. You just weren't as necessarily as happy with the production you got last week as you were the first week. No, certainly not. And then Mark Andrews, if he plays, you play him. And he's still my number two tight end if he is, in fact, out there. So let's dive out of that. Let's get in right into our lock em ins of the week. Lock them in. It's a lock. I don't have any quarterbacks I'm locking in, in these matchups, but I do have a list of running backs, kind of tandems, actually, in fact. So I'm locking in the commander backfield because they're playing against Houston. Both guys coming to my top 20. Antonio Gibson, my RB18. Brian Robinson is my RB20. Chris, are you confident in playing both of these guys against the historically bad run defense of the Houston Texans? I'm probably more confident in playing one than over the other. I'm more confident in playing Gibson because I like his involvement in the passing attack and his explosiveness in just general. He gets the carries. While Robinson's just been ugly. I mean, it's been getting three and a half, you know, yards per carry, 3.3 yards per carry. You had about 80 yards or 90 yards, I think, he got last week. You need the touchdown. That's basically what's going to save you. Houston, you know, isn't good run defense, but they don't give a lot of points. So I'm kind of curious if both of them can eat. I love Gibson this week. Uh, but here's the reason why I still say Brian Robinson's inside the RB20 at that point, though, because we look at last week, and when the commanders are in a positive game script, which I suspect they would be down the stretch against Houston, he gets 26 carries, and he gets the touchdown. So that's why I still think he is a guy that you can play as a low-end RB2 this week, along with Gibson. Uh, Damian Pierce, you're obviously locking him in. I actually have him as RB11, a low-end RB1. He gets his volume and his stats, it seems like, almost no matter what, every single week. Now, here's the other interesting tandem I have. I'm locking at Tony Pollard as a top-20 running back. I I still have Zeke as a flex play. I got him down at RB27. Chris, are you with me on the gap between those two, even with Zeke being active? This week, I absolutely would be. I don't, I'm curious to see what Zeke's going to be bringing to the table and if he's going to be active. I think they're being really cautious with him and they don't want to kind of push him. Um, they like that they're kind of flowing with their offense as well. I think Zeke's their hammer. They know they need to kind of need. Um, this matchup, though, in particular, you can, you know, attack the Vikings in so many different ways. So you don't necessarily need Zeke. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, how it unfolds, but I definitely think Pollard has more value this week. To your point, I don't know what his explosiveness is going to be. Now, he's playing. Like He's he's come out and said he's playing. McCarthy says he's playing. He's going to play. That's what it sounds like to me. And I question whether or not that's the right decision. Because like, with, you, with, your, with your you know cautiousness, I agree with you. Why bring him back so soon? It's not like Tony Pollard hasn't been helping your offense. He has. In fact, the offense has looked better with Tony Pollard leading the way most of the time than having Zeke out there. All it's going to do is away from the explosiveness of the offense, and we don't know what he's going to look like physically. I 100% agree. I'm also kind of curious to see, you know, because they're saying it, but they also said some stuff last week where they were insinuating, and Jerry Jones was on record saying, he's going to play this week, he's going to play this week, and I was like, oh, well, never mind, they're not going to play Zeke. So I do think as, you know, as the week progresses, we want to see if he ramps it up, and that'll kind of be my telltale sign of how active is he going to be in practice. He's been he's been pretty active, at least according That's to reports him. that he's okay. been pretty he's been pretty active. Um, moving into the tight ends, or yeah, I don't have any lock up in wide receivers for this bunch, so let's move to the tight ends. I know Greg Dolchich did not pan out last week, but the Raiders 
make a lot of things look good. And Jerry Judy's not going to play. So I think the target consolidation will be there between a Cortland Sutton and a Greg Dolchich. And that's why, actually, I, that's what I should have. I should have Sutton actually here as a top 12 receiver. I'm not sure why he's not on my list. I'm locking in Cortland Sutton as a top 12 receiver. I'm locking in Greg Dolchich as a top eight tight end. Yeah, there's, who else is left, you know, standing basically for the center offense? They can't run block. They don't get anything out of their running attack. They have no healthy receivers. Judy will be out again this week. Hamler's out. Hilton's even banged up now. And, you know, big part of why Dolchich didn't kind of pan out for people last week was you're expecting Virgil to have 64-yard catch again and touchdown pass because that was the big yeah, play that kind of took a lot of the yards away. Um, so if that doesn't go, you know, four or five of those catches easily, Greg Dolchich for, you know, four catches, 60 yards or something like that. So to me, as you pointed out, He's definitely the guy who's fall second in the food chain uh, this week. I think you're a good player versus the Raiders who are terrible. Uh, moving on here, Dalton Schultz. I got him as my tight end six of this week. Looked good last week. He was never exposed to begin with. That's not what you're expecting from him. But he looked solid. He looked healthier than he had been over the past few weeks before the bye week. Dak Prescott always goes to him no matter what. But if he can just give you a little bit extra... I think more touchdowns, like last week, could be in your future. He comes in for me at tight end six, Chris. What do you think? Hey, warming up to him. No, I think so. And, you know, Dalton Schultz is definitely a goes, goes as Dak Prescott kind of goes. And I think Dak Prescott, you know, as he kind of gets a touchdown passes, Dalton Schultz will be more and more involved. Um, this Viking team can be thrown on, especially the tight end position. So I think that you're going to see, you know, the Vikings try to match up Patrick Peterson on CeeDee Lamb as they're trying to do for some stupid reason. And, you know, as a result, it's also good to kind of eat on the rest of the guys. All right, let's dive into our lookout for play. Lookout for. So I have the Ravens backfield here. I got Gus Edwards. I got Kenyon Drake. I got Gus Edwards as a low end RB2. I got him at running back 24 on the dot. So just that last spot. I got Kenyon Drake at RB35. Now, I. Gus Edwards, look, nobody in this backfield ever gets a full workload anyway. And I do think if he's going to play, he's going to get more carries than Kenyon Drake will, especially in the goal line situations, which, you know, Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to run touchdowns in anymore. He used to do that. Now, the last couple of years, it doesn't seem to really be the case. I'm going to play Gus Edwards here in a smash matchup against Carolina in a game in which I expect Baltimore to completely and utterly dominate. By the way, Vegas has the set at a minus 13 line for Baltimore. So, Chris, where's your confidence level on Gus Edwards this week? I want to be as confident as you are. And I guess for myself, you know, maybe I should have learned from the first time that he played that he had 16 carries right off the bat, and I was kind of shocked at his usage. But as a result, he was knocked out for the next two, three weeks. And I think that's new. We've seen the Ravens be very cautious. And I keep hearing Jim Harbaugh talking about Kenny Drake over and over again. That scares me. That means I think he's going to be involved. And I think that's where I kind of worry about Gus Edwards. If they if they need him, I think he'll be used. I think you'll see him early on. But I think as the game kind of progresses, if they don't need to kind of push it, they don't want won't have to. And you know, usually it's the kind of score if they're up by double digits. It's Gus Edwards' time. Well, because he's banged up, I wonder if it's not you know somebody else's time. My only concern. We'll have to see exactly what happens there. I just I think Kenyon Drake's washed. I know he had a couple times where he looked pretty good. I think ultimately. He's washed, and that's why I'm not Harbaugh's really worried about him. Harbaugh's been loving him. Harbaugh's been talking about for like the last month, about though. Freeman, who ran two yards of carry last year. And kept like getting carries, though. <laughs> Harbaugh loves. <laughs> Does, doesn't mean it's going to be productive. Talk about, well, I don't know how productive. No, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was, I was going to talk about a running back who 
I don't know how productive he's going to be, even though he should be in a smash spot. I have Melvin Gordon ranked at RB30, and that's just out of like, okay, Raiders are just that bad where somebody might score a touchdown. This three-man carousel of the backfield. You're playing the Raiders, and I still cannot play a running back with any kind of confidence whatsoever because your offense and your rotation is that stupid and bad. Yeah, I had a percent agree, and your offense doesn't you know justify having any of those guys in it. You know, if you're looking for a touchdown, you'd play Latavius, but Denver doesn't score touchdowns. Um, so how can you bank on that? They haven't had more than 20 points this entire season. And then you go, you know, to the other position at the running back, and you look at Melvin Gordon. Well, can we, do, can we catch the ball? Well, they don't put a lot of passes. So how is he going to be involved? And then Edmonds been added to the backfield. So I just think there's too many mouths to feed. With the offensive lines and bad, Russell Wilson hasn't been moving the ball enough. I even the Raiders, as you pointed out, I'm not pressing any of these guys. If I'm going to throw, you know, a crapshoot out, I might play Latavius because he might fall in the end zone. Well, I would play Melvin Gordon if I'm going to throw anybody out there because he still has gotten more touches. But it's it's a nightmare either way. And something I, if I have the option to go to, I'd rather be able to stay away from it if at all possible. But it is a decimating bye week this week. Uh, we go to the wide receivers to look out for. And I got Devin Duvernay on my list. And I have Devin Duvernay up pretty high. I have taking advantage of this Carolina team. Andrews, even if he plays, he's banged up. Rashad Bateman's out. Now, while it didn't pan out before the bye week, Devin Duvernay played all the snaps. He's a full-time starting wide receiver with big play potential and really the only receiver that they have who has the ability to make a play. Going against a very banged-up secondary in the Carolina Panthers, I'm actually aggressively going to be playing Devin Duvernay this upcoming week. He's been the wide receiver 36 in half-point PPR leagues so far this season. I'm taking the shot on Duvernay. Yeah, I believe Robinson's hurt, and that's to me the kind of the key thing. While I agree with everything that you're saying, Dan, I've been screaming this for about four or five weeks now, and it seems Greg Rowan just refuses to do anything that makes sense. So I, 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 I want to believe. I, I think it should be doing right. I think that hopefully, I think I said, I think Robinson's supposed to be out, out, and that's the case. They have, should have nobody else throw the ball to, but yeah. Uh, I'm also looking out for Terry McLaurin, which I know is kind of weird because I have Terry McLaurin up in my wide receiver 13 spots. So you think, oh, that's an automatic lock him in, right? Well, it's just weird against Houston. Like, it's not like a bad matchup. Yeah, Stingley's going to shadow him. I, it doesn't really bother me too much. Stingley's been good, but not great. It's just the fact that if Washington does what they want to do, which you can do against Houston, which is just run the ball and play defense, I get a little bit worried about what the passing volume is going to be, but that doesn't change the fact that McLaurin probably has to be in your lineups. I'm just a little bit concerned about what his floor might be this week. Yeah, I definitely understand the trepidation, but I also think that between the explosiveness you've seen and kind of any key locking onto as the primary target he's looking for, Logan Thomas is banged up again. Dodson has returned. There wasn't really targeted heavily in the game. Curtis Samuels a bit questionable again. And you look at the Giants game, you know, Darius Slayton had some nice plays, nice big plays down the field because, you know, they were able to kind of push the field. And as you kind of alluded to, Houston, they have numbers that look like they're good in the passing attack. It's because teams can run for 300 yards if they want to versus them. I think they can do both this game. I, I do like the upside because I think you can get the big play opportunity. And this is where I actually, this is actually where I had Cortland Sutton. So I did have Cortland Sutton on my list. He's just my lookout for it, not my lock him in. I'm thinking to myself, he's my wide receiver 12, and I'm big on Cortland Sutton this week. How is he not my lock him in? But I, I have my notes, and this is why I make notes when I do the outline, because sometimes I forget things. Of course, you have Judy out. The matchup against the Raiders definitely helps. Tar consolidation, he had 11 last week. 
when I watch Russell Wilson throw a football right now, I want to claw my eyes out because it hurts so bad. He looks like Peyton Manning at the end of his career. He looks like he has no arm whatsoever. And it takes an hour for him to wind up and actually release the football. It's horrible. Having said all that, the Raiders make a lot of bad things look really good. Okay? They make it look really good. So I have some questions about the Colts. We'll get into that later. But I'm firing up Cortland Sutton because I know the target share will be there. The matchup is there. And I have him as a top 12 play. So what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, this this Raider team made Davis Mills look good a couple of weeks ago for Houston. His, you know, only he was had over 300 yards passing this entire season. That passing attack has been putrid, and they still looked good. So I think that, you know, while I'm not happy with what I see with Russ either, he's getting between 250 yards and 280 yards on average passing because they can't run the ball at all. So somebody's got to catch that ball. So Cortland Sutton, as you pointed to, is getting 11 targets. Whether they're floaters or uh, come out of high water, it's going to be going his way. Cortland Sutton's one of those guys who can go up and go get one of those floaters, hopefully, and make something happen. So I think he's one of the guys I would say should have been one of your best plays this week because I, I love Cortland Sutton this week. Let's go to our Be Cautious Of. Be Cautious Of. You're not playing Davis Mills. You're not playing Derek Carr. You're not playing any Houston wide receivers. You're also not playing Adam Thielen. Now, he's consistently getting about seven targets a game. He only has two touchdowns this season. He doesn't have a 100-yard performance. And last week, especially for, for Adam Thielen, bothered me. If you're an Adam Thielen owner, last week would have really bothered me. Yes, them adding TJ Hawkinson definitely hurt. But then all of a sudden last week, there seemed to be an emphasis to get K.J. Osborne going. He had some bubble screens and some, like, just – plays that you do to feature a wide receiver to help him get the ball in his hands. If they're going to start doing that on top of it, Adam Thielen's going to get completely left out of this offense. I'm not starting him this week. I don't know when I am going to start him again. I, yeah, I guess not as Adam Thielen as you are, but I do think that you know some of the other guys you mentioned, I'm not high on at all. I think that you know, this, a lot of the receivers just aren't really thrilling. Adam Thielen has a decent matchup. I know that maybe he don't want, people didn't have like great production last week, but he wasn't like, aced out completely, so of the options you have this week, I don't think he's terrible. Well, we'll have to see, but he's outside my top 36 this week. I also have be cautious of Foster Moreau. He's going to be very, very tempting. He got the touchdown last week. Everybody always chases the touchdown for the tight end position. Just keep in mind what he did the previous weeks of getting about 30, 40 yards. Very easily could happen again in this game without the touchdown. I don't have him inside my top 12. He is in my streaming conversation but I just think there's other options to go after with better ceilings to be had. You'll probably hear me agree with you. 99% we brought up Boston Moreau because I usually think there's better options than Boston Moreau. That <laughs> All right. Well, certain sweet for the first segment. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got three more matchups to talk about on the Clairvoyant Thursday here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So we'll be back. Right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their T-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. 
True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're on a clairvoyant Thursday looking into your fantasy football futures and trying to tell you who to play and what to expect. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel that we get notified whenever we have new content available. Download us on the Foxy Network app for your on-demand services and also download us on your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Please give us that five-star review, by the way, because that, I mean, that does, you guys have no no idea how much that can help out our show. So thank you and please. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. It's Thursday, so I'm joined here with my partner, Christopher Dowhauer. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike, and we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Chris, uh... It's an interesting week, man, because we had we have four teams on by, and it like these four teams just decimated the wide receiver position. I mean, I'm going I'm going through my rankings, and it's just it was brutal. Some of the names. Let me put up some of the graphics here, and just I just want to get your quick comments. Like just looking at this graphic, and then seeing where the fall off is. I mean, what are your thoughts here? Is this like is this like garbage city? It really is. That's kind of why I surprised you so down on Adam Thielen this week. I mean, the guy hasn't seen less than seven targets since week one. Um, which was four targets. That's the lowest he's had, you know, the entire season. And we look at, you know, Van Jefferson at 19 there, a guy that just had, you know, three catches, I think, last week on a Rams offense that we don't even know what they can possibly ever do. Um, I do like Gabe Davis. You know, I think he'll probably have him moved up because the weather will be, you know, a little bit different than we expected it to be. But we have you know, guys like Mikel Hardman on that list where you're not even playing this week. So, I mean, it's definitely slim pickings, and it's definitely something you're kind of looking for different opportunities. 
Uh, Christian Watson obviously surpassed what his 31 was, but I think there's a lot of guys slim pickings this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Watson, he only has two catches, <laughs> both of them touchdowns. So what are you going to do when he just scores all the time? Uh, kind of doing what I expected him to, though, having a target reduction. But, you know, when you score, you score. And that's why Watson is moving up everybody's boards. All right, so we got three games to talk about in the second half of the show. We got the Bengals against the Steelers, and then we have the Sunday night game of the Chiefs against the Chargers and the Monday night Mexico City game between San Francisco and the Arizona Cardinals. So let's start this thing off with our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yep, we're obviously starting Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter what he has at his disposal at the wide receiver position. As long as he's got Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and a great match against the Chargers, I still got him as my QB2. I thought he was going to be my QB1 until we found out the, the Buffalo game got moved to Detroit because I wasn't actually going to put him ahead of Josh Allen until that happened. But, uh, yeah, Chris, do you have any concerns about Patrick Mahomes, even though he's losing guys left and right? No, I didn't have concerns coming into the season. I don't have any concerns now. I mean, it's not like he's replacing a, a superstar as McCall Hardman. I think Tony can more than make up for that. Juju Smith-Sister is a guy who was at 8.9 yards per catch last year. He's only become good because he has Patrick Mahomes. So I think, as long as you pointed out, as long as they Andy Reid, they got the coaching staff there, and they got Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball around, and Travis Kelsey, they'll be okay. Uh, obviously, you're starting Joe Mixon. Last time we saw him, he had five touchdowns in a single game. Now, I have an RB9. I'm not going to be as crazy about him, but obviously, he's going to be plugged in your lineup. Let's talk about Chris McCaffrey. So, I got my RB4 heading into this week against the Arizona Cardinals. And I think everybody's making way too big a deal about Elijah Mitchell getting 18 carries last week. That was the game flow went kind of weird. The game went a little bit wonky. But the big thing is this McCaffrey. At 65% of the snaps, to Elijah Mitchell's 35, he actually gets worked in in the passing game. Mitchell does not. I think this just as easily could go back the other way where McCaffrey dominates and Mitchell winds up with 8 to 10 carries, which is more what I expect him to be most of the time. Am Am I wrong here or is everybody making too big a deal out of this? No, I think the problem is is everybody wants to see the you know the only usage, the only guy going to be used in the backfield, and you know for off fantasy, outside fantasy purposes, I can understand some of the questioning and going on like how do you justify using the usage, but on fantasy wise, you got your production still. You know, Christian McCaffrey's getting yardage, he's getting used while doing the passing attack or it's the running attack. He even got th- you know able to throw the ball a couple weeks ago. So no matter what, Christian McCaffrey's been eating. The guy who's been basically hurt, not Elijah Mitchell or anybody else, has been Debo Samuel with Christian McCaffrey. So I think right. Christian McCaffrey, to me, is the guy that, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. And we've seen when there's talented backs in, or even there's not talented backs necessarily at his disposal, he's always going to, Koshan's always going to kind of use multiple backs if he can. I think the closest comparison that he has right now is what he had in Atlanta. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey's definitely better than Devontae Freeman, but Devontae Freeman was the kind of guy that did a little bit most of the car- most lifting. And Kevin Coleman was kind of the pretty piece that came in, you know, add some explosive plays here or there and cause some passes out of the backfield. I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be kind of use the Kevin Coleman role is very similar and kind of also uses kind of take the brunt of some of the hits that Chris McCaffrey kind of want to keep off of him. But I think overall, Chris McCaffrey is going to be one of the top three backs week in, week out, because what else are you going to kind of turn to? Still at 18 touches, still at 20 opportunities. If you're telling me Chris McCaffrey is getting 18 touches and 20 opportunities on the San Francisco offense, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I don't care what Elijah Mitchell's doing outside of it. That's why I'm not concerned. 
Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we talked about him a little bit. He is an obvious starter for me. Actually, I'm at wide receiver five. Actually feel pretty good about his matchup and feel pretty good about the idea that if it is Colt McCoy, we know he's getting his targets come hell or high water, but now we have to find out exactly what's going on with his injury if he does, in fact, have one tomorrow. But any concerns about DeAndre Hopkins against, on paper, a tough San Francisco defense? No, I think in the keywords on paper, I think that you could definitely exploit the secondary. It's nothing extravagant. You know, John Hopkins can definitely eat and has eaten in the past versus them. Um, I think the key is going to not do the quarterback, as you alluded to. Colt McCoy is not going to hurt them. Conor Ray would play wouldn't hurt them. It's just whether John Hopkins is going to be out there or not. Obviously, you're starting Travis Kelsey, and I do have George Kittle as an obvious starter because he is a top three tight end. It's been brutal for target share. But all Arizona does, Arizona is in a class of about four teams in the year in the NFL this year. And all they do is give up touchdowns to tight ends. That's all they do. If you can't play George Kittle against Arizona, who can you play him against? So he has to be an obvious starter. No, I love the Arizona matchup, but you know, the answer to your question, you tell me when you can play George Kittle, because Kyle Shanahan definitely doesn't give us a clue. <laughs> well, I say he scores. This week to help you guys out. How about that? Uh, let's move to our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. All right. I'm locking in Joe Burrow as a top eight quarterback, not top four. I'm actually still a little bit lower on him than the ECR, but he's still a QB one. You're still locking him in as a starter in your lineup. There's still no Jamar Chase. And the reason why I'm not as high as the ECR, which has him, I think, at QB six right now or something like that, is because everyone's overlooking the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is not the same defense it had been without TJ Watt. Now, I know it gets the Saints last week. It's hard to know that for sure because the Saints offense has been so putrid. You're like, well, which one is? Is your defense actually better? Or the Saints just, you know, lay an egg. We'll see it better in action this week. What happened when they played the Browns? What happened when they played, when they got their pass rusher, Miles Garrett, back healthy, a team that knows them really well, what happened? The offensive line got dominated. Would not be surprised if the Steelers do something similar this week to the Bengals again, especially in yeah. Pittsburgh. Look, you, you, know, you have them as must-starts because you. I agree with you. Joe Mixon is a guy you're definitely playing this week, and Joe Burrow is definitely a guy you're going to have a lot this week. But I do caution that their ceilings aren't going to be as high as people think they are based on the numbers Pittsburgh's been giving up because it's not the same Pittsburgh defense as you talked about. There's two key players, three key players in Pittsburgh that matter. You want to know what TJ Watt's doing? If he's playing, and he is, then they care. Hayward's playing, and he is, and they can stop the run. And if Fitzpatrick's supposed to play, and I'm not sure if he's definitely going to play, but if he plays, then they can actually stop. Fitzpatrick's out. Okay, so he's definitely out. Okay, so then I know you were talking about he's practicing or talking about that practice this week. So with those three pieces, the key to them, so you might be able to still exploit the passing attack with Fitzpatrick being out. But the running defense and they're able to get the pass rush is key. Joe Burrow can get, you know, that offside is not good. You can get to Joe Burrow and kind of make him turn the ball over. So I do kind of caution how high his ceiling would be this week. Yeah, so just kind of keep that in mind when you're going through the rest of your lineup. Maybe you have to take a boom player out or something along those lines with your roster construction. Uh, I also have a lock him in, which is controversial, Justin Herbert. Now, I thought to myself last week I wasn't going to do it, but I had to. He's like QB7 this week, actually, in fact. I have him one spot ahead of Joe Burrow. I will move him down if he does not get either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen back. My feeling is that he's going to get at least one of these guys back for this game. It feels like the Chargers are all hands on deck. So if these guys are somewhat good enough to go, I think they're going to play. As long as he gets one of these guys back, 
the volume that I thought he was going to have to have against San Francisco last week. So I thought they were going to have to come back from behind the second half. That wound up being the case. He'll definitely have the volume this week against Kansas City because you're going to have two teams who throw the ball a ton and points will be scored, especially on the Kansas City side, that he's going to have to try to match. So Justin Herbert, I'm going to take my shot that he will give you a safe floor just due to volume and talent. Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely playing Justin Herbert this week. I mean, who else are your better options? You kind of pointed that graphic out earlier. And I think that, you know, when we look at the, the Chargers, all hand the deck, you're absolutely right. This is their season. If they basically if they lose this Chiefs game, they have no chance of the division, and they're basically hanging on very thinly any kind of playoff opportunity. The AFC East has been, you know, kind of, kind of loaded, so there's a lot of teams trying to, you're trying to compete with. So the Chargers got to have, have a lot to play for this week. I think that's why you're seeing all these receivers kind of being asked to play. But I also kind of see what I'm curious about Keenan Allen in a second. Um, you know, I looked up when Brian was talking on our show about Keenan Allen being kind of cautious whether he's going to play or not. And I do wonder how much of this contract has to do with some of this, you know, maybe moving forward. Maybe he's not as eager to play for this season as some other players might be. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point as well. I will say this. It, it, from one of the vibes I was getting, now Brian's the medical expert, so I will always, you know, refer to him. But the vibes I was getting from the team is that they feel like Keenan Allen's closer to coming back than Mike Williams. That that's the vibes I was getting from the team. And when you asked the two players, Mike Williams, he said he might be coming back. Keenan Allen said, I hope so. But just the way that they said it, it sounded like Keenan Allen was a little bit more confident. So I'd be curious to see which one it really winds up being. But we'll have to see. Uh, and we'll talk about them in just a second. But my lock them in wide receivers, T. Higgins, a guy who was a wide receiver eight heading into this week. The volume will have to be there. While we have some concerns about Cincinnati and their ceiling overall, and I don't think T. Higgins necessarily lights it up, but with the lack of options, and I'll put the graphic up there again to kind of illustrate the point, because after T. Higgins, you're talking about Chris Olave and Brandon Ayuk that I have right there. So it kind of shows you what the wide receiver ones are looking like this week. T. Higgins is a guy, very good wide receiver, should have target consolidation heading his way. No Mika Fitzpatrick that will help out the perimeter receivers. So I'm playing him, and I'm locking him in as a top eight guy. Yeah, I 100% agree. I'm playing T. Higgins every week that I have him. I mean, I think it's, to me, that's a little doubter, and this matchup doesn't scare me at all. While I talked about the Pittsburgh defense being better, Fitzpatrick, you know, being a key, when it's more the key of how much you can expose the secondary. One of the things they messed up with is they moved Tilton to the outside. He's not as good in the outside as he's in the slot as he was last year. And you could attack their outside receiver, outside corners. That's why they honored Jackson from Carolina, who wasn't, or wasn't any good, not Carolina, I'm sorry, um, from Washington, who wasn't any good there for them. So they, you know, the Pittsburgh's trying to find an extra corner. So T. Higgins could definitely have a good game. Regardless of this game script, he's going to be involved. And then I also have him locking in Rondale Moore. And this is even before I knew about the DeAndre Hopkins injury or, or possibility of it. San Francisco is, I think it's top five in points given up to the slot receiver position right now. And Rondell Moore is doing nothing but getting peppered with targets. I don't care if it's Kyler Murray. I don't care if it's Colt McCoy. It doesn't matter what quarterback it is because the offense is surrounded by getting Hopkins the ball and whoever's in the middle of the field the ball. And now you have no Zach Ertz. That's going to be even more Rondell Moore. So I'm locking him in this week, too. Yeah, 100% agree. Zach Ertz is the key thing you kind of mentioned. You know, that Zach Ertz kind of filling up the taking that middle. There's no competition for those targets. And we already seen, as long as you leave Rondell Moore in a slot, he's going to eat. He's going to be fine. He's going to some explosiveness. And the other part you're kind of looking for, and you know, was Colt McCord, Colin McCord, as you talked about, you know, James Conner has not been explosive and has basically sucked and just drained the offense in a lot of ways. So Rondell Moore is kind of their glorified running attack because they can't use James Conner as much as they want to in the running attack. 
I, let me ask you this question. If Hopkins does miss, are we in danger of Rondo and, and Marquise Brown doesn't play? Are we in danger of Rondo Moore getting booted back out to the outside? No, that's what the great part about the Rod, Rodney Anderson trade is. Um, the Anderson addition to the, the team, they basically have an outside guy that they, that's going to make sure they fill out that position. Um, you have enough bodies that can still be on the outside, so I think you're good with Rondo Moore being a sub no matter what. Let's hope so. Robbie Anderson's only played 11 snaps in three games now. Yes, but they have him and A.J. Green, so there's enough bodies they had to be on the outside they can fill. <laughs> Someone got the treadmill and went on the outside. That's all, exactly. that's all, that's that's all, all we care about. <laughs> uh, Pat Freermuth, I'm locking him in as a top eight tight end. It's, it's never gaudy. But he's one of the favorite targets of Kenny Pickett, plain and simple. And he's never going to probably be outside my top eight tight end as a result to that. So let's go ahead and just move in to the lookout for players of these matchups. Look out for... Oh, God, give me strength. Jimmy Garoppolo is my QB 11. So he's still a top 12 quarterback. He's still a streaming option. It makes me want to slam my head against the wall. But this is where we are. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's four or five straight weeks now, you know, 17 more points out of Jimmy G. And that's basically top tier production of a top 10 guy that you're hoping for that you mentioned. And it's not sexy. It's not pretty, but it gets it done. And with all the different weapons they have, they're basically going to just throw somebody the ball open at some point. Um, they have to get somebody the ball. They can score more than 23 points, hopefully, too. Playing Arizona, a team that has not been good offensively or defensively, they have a good chance to actually have Jimmy G. Worst case scenario, you get another 17-point game, maybe more. This next one I think is going to be a little more interesting for people. So if you're if you're sitting there and you have Kyler Murray and you're trying to figure out, okay, do I do I pick up options? Do I pick up Colt McCoy? Do I pick up a Jimmy G? Do I pick up somebody that I can at least have the option all the way to Monday night for to be able to play him? Well, here would be my response to you. Kyler Murray comes into my QB 14. Even if he's active, I don't want to play Kyler Murray. Because whenever he's even remotely banged up, he doesn't run. When he doesn't run, he's not a fantasy asset because he's not a good enough pocket-passing quarterback. So I would say to you, regardless, find another quarterback to play this week. That's a good pick. I, you know, he, he hasn't really run a whole lot this year in general, so the running part definitely affects you. The one thing I do say is with Hopkins back in the offense and with Moore's kind of role, they do seem to find out some way to have a floor with him, whether it's 250 yards, 300 yards, it's ugly as could be. You don't get the touchdowns you're hoping for, but he has one of the better options of fours. Where I don't know if you're really going to find that. You know, as you talked about this week. All right, let's move into our running backs. Our lookout for running backs. Najee Harris comes in my RB22. It's the most boring RB2 on the planet, but he is still getting all the work. Let's talk about Pacheco. A lot of people want to talk about Pacheco this week. So for me, he comes in my RB28 as of right now. And these rankings will get updated throughout the weekend. Make sure you check them out on bellyfantasysports.com. Chris, the big question that has to be answered is the rotation we saw last week where Clive Zolaire was basically just left out completely. And, of course, we have the comments from Andy Reid saying that wasn't necessarily part of the plan. They maybe want to get him back involved a little bit more this week. But is that just coach speak or... Do we finally see this come a two-man committee from a three-man committee moving forward? So yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real blunt with this, and this is something I talked about on Belly Up Fantasy Live on Tuesday nights with um our my co-host Adam. Um, I think Andy Reid has done what he's been doing all season long. We've seen McKinnon being active before. We've seen Pacheco being an active. 
they're going to do their they're kind of doing the Patriot thing in a sense where they're changing their game plan so you have to kind of adjust what you're doing. That's the only wild card they have. They can't only do something to Travis Kelsey's. The only thing that they can kind of do with you is change what kind of attack they're going to use at their backfield because right now their passing attack is their running backs and their tight end. They have nothing else sexy to kind of throw at you. Juju gets moved around. You know, the guys run around. They're not making big plays. It's the running backs that try to get the mismatches, to get the tight ends matched up on certain guys. That's what they're focusing on. So for me, I, I think if you know what Andy Reid's going to try to focus on, then you're going to know what he's going to try to do week to week. But good luck knowing that because we saw, you know, a couple weeks ago at Tampa Bay where it was, we're going to run the ball all the time. And then the other weeks where we're going to throw the ball all the time. And then there were games where Edward Toledo has been awesome. And there's games where Hillary gets, you know, nothing. So I just think you see McKinnon, you've seen Pacheco do this. It's the Kansas City thing in my book. I totally agree with you that this this past week does not solidify that this became a two-man rotation for the rest of the season. Totally agree with you on that point. What I will say, though, is that it had been trending in this direction for a while now, where Clyde Ozzler had been the third back for a month. I, the, the fourth snap thing, that was shocking. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But his has been turning in the direction of Pacheco getting more and more work, McKinnon getting more and more work, and Clyde Ozzler getting more and more left out. It had been turning in that direction for a little bit. But to your point, would it shock me if we come back and it's a three-man committee again this week against the Chargers? No, it would not surprise me. I think we need more data when it comes to that standpoint. I also think you're going to have to see game scripts when they start using some of these guys. Like, look, the one that saves guy in my book is McKinnon. Because he's going to catch the ball, and if the Chiefs fall down, they're going to keep playing two to play him. Well, I think that they fall behind. Will Pacheco still be out there? Are you going to get your 16 carries that you're always you know, trying to get their hands on? This is the players I've watched every week. Pacheco and McKinnon get dropped every week, and then the other guy goes off the following week, and they get picked up. Everybody's wavering and trying to get them, and then they wind up dropping the following week again because they did nothing. We'll see what changes again. What I will say is this, against the Chargers, I think we could see a similar game script to what we saw against Jacksonville, and I do think this is, sets up to be a decent Pacheco week, especially given how bad the Chargers are against the run, and he's been starting to look a little bit better in the running game too. So that's why I do still have him as an RB28. He's a fine flex play in my book for the spot start for a heavy bye week. Um, McKinnon, by the way, he's been McKinnon's role has actually been pretty solidified. He is the main pass catching back. There's no question about that. He comes in at RB33 for me in half-point PPR leagues. Do you have anything with that? Yeah, like I said, this guy I think is the safest guy that you're ever going to – if I'm going to invest in anybody in the Chiefs' backfield, that's the only guy that I'm going to bother you know, investing in right now. Uh, James Conner, look out for – I do have an RB21. It's a reflection of I do expect it to be Colt McCoy. I don't really expect it to be Kyler Murray. And what we saw last week is what I – I plan on happening again. They're going to lean more on the running game. It may not look pretty, but it also means when they get inside the five, Connor gets the cracks at it, and he's still a touchdown. He's still a touchdown guy, and that's why he's still an RB two for me, and probably in your lineups. But I would expect a great performance. I wouldn't expect an over four yard per carry performance against San Francisco 49ers on Monday night. 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to play James Conner because at worst he's a flex option, but I would not be excited to do so. You're going to get your, your 15 to 20 touches more than likely for your 40 yards. You're hoping the guy falls into the red zone at some point or falls into the end zone at some point. Um, you kind of mentioned you blew through him a little bit earlier, a guy you liked, you know, Najee Harris. I actually liked what I saw from him last week. I thought he looked more explosive. He was able to have the carries. The backfield being split a little bit hasn't hurt him. And I think that's a guy that I actually like all this group that we're talking about with the backs. Yeah, yeah, we want to circle back around the Najee Harris. Here, here's my problem w- with that. I don't think he's going to have a great week this week. Devon keeps him in RB2. Cincinnati's been very good against the run. And I, do, I don't see any reason why Cincinnati would not be able to take it to the Steelers' offensive line, which has been the real big problem. The reason why Najee Harris looked better last week, the Saints have been pathetic on defense over you know pretty much most of the season, but especially over the past couple of weeks. And that was the first time all year the Steelers were in a situation where they could actually run the ball first and not have to throw the ball, you know, 40 plus times in a game. I don't know if that's going to be the case necessarily this week. And then already he finally gets to 20 carries and he re-aggravates his knee injury on top of it. And that's why I get a little bit concerned about what his ceiling could potentially be, but the volume will still be there as long as he's active. Well, I could definitely understand that, but I think the same thing when you look at James Conner. I mean, playing against 49ers. Are, no, no, great. I, I, I have them one spot ahead of me, 21 22. I have them right next to each other. And a guy <laughs> you could blow on and breathe on, he could get injured. So, yes, I agree. <laughs> All right, let's move into our lookout for wide receivers. I got Tyler Boyd up at wide receiver 16 this week. Again, with no Mika Fitzpatrick, that opens up the slot in particular. As long as Jamar Chase is not playing, Tyler Boyd can be an option that you go to as a wide receiver, too. Yeah, he's not always going to have the sexy upside because you're hoping maybe not get the touchdowns. And he's going to be a lot of catches, though. But especially full point PPR, you're going to love getting those catches. And to your point, he's always going to be involved. This team's definitely a throw first team overall. You know, just because Mixon had a nice game last week, don't think this team all of a sudden changes identity. So Higgins and, and Boyd go as they go. Uh, once again, I do have George Pickens ranked in front of. Deontay Johnson, that maintains because, again, George Pick is the only one who has touchdown upside. It might be on the ground, might be through the air, but he's the only one who can actually score. It's, just, it's brutal watching Deontay Johnson get all these targets and not be able to do anything with it. But I do have, I have Pick is at RB, um, I'm sorry, wide receiver 18. I got Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 26. The individual matchup for George Pickens with a woozy out is interesting. It could be a matchup that can be taken advantage of. I think he has the big playability. That's why he comes inside my top 20 wide receivers. With Deontay, it's just like, can you ever get over 50 yards? I don't know. No, I mean, I definitely agree. It's a good matchup, I think, overall. You know, Cincinnati have been really good defensively. Losing a Weezy is huge for them, and their secondary definitely suffered as a result. You know, now they got to start Eli Apple, a guy who they had benched earlier in the season because, surprise, surprise, he's not that good. Now he's going to be back out there getting, you know, toasted again. So I think it's a great opportunity for one of these receivers to go off. As you alluded to, who knows what they could do because this is very similar to the Denver situation where you're excited for an offense that's going to score 17 points, and that's all you're going to all right, Chris, we, we really got to look into the universe on this next one. We, we really got to bring in all the spirits and really help us see into the future for everybody because we got to figure out this Kansas City wide receiver group. So we know Hartman's on the IR. So I, that's already something I have to adjust my rankings I haven't gotten to yet. Juju, we knew, was not going to play after that bad-looking concussion that he had on, on, on Sunday. We knew that was out of the question. So now Kadarius Tony is somebody who's been a part-time player up to this point. And now looking like he might lead the way along with Marquez Valdez scaling, at least as far as snaps go. 
right right now, I have Kadarius Tony at, at wide receiver 33. That he, He'll move up. I did have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, though, at wide receiver 29. I did think the big play was going to be there. Now, two questions for you. Do you think Kadarius Tony is actually going to get featured? Is he ready to get featured in this offense? And is there a third option outside of these two? So I'm going to kind of be repetitive about the running back position. I'm going to say the same up with the receivers and the Chiefs. Stop chasing. But if you're going to chase, to me, the guy that have the kind of the upside, especially this week and moving forward, as long as Juju's banged up, is Tony. With Juju out and Harbin also hurt, what you see is two roles being opened up for him to be kind of right. not filled totally by himself, but have a piece of, which you can give him a limited playbook and do. So you can give him the jet sweep actions that Harbin was getting, his cheap touchdowns that we're getting people love to Harbin Harbin for. And then you go to look at what Juju was doing. He moved all around the formations to go catch that seven or eight yard pass when people double team Kelsey. He could do that too. So you're going to kind of utilize him a little bit in different places. Now the rest of the receivers, I think where you can have a chance, you know, can we see Sky Moore actually be activated and played at some point? I don't know. Justin Watson's been the guy who had a flash a week two, but I think this is the running back's position all over again. And I just kind of go back to it, you know, to know how the volume is going to work out. MBS could absolutely be the guy this week because it seems the Chiefs kind of whatever they do the week before, they're going to change up in the week before next week on you. So like Pacheco, for example, the three weeks he's had double digit touches. The following week, he had one t- one carry. And then following game for that, two carries. So just to kind of show you that the guy goes from this to this, receivers have been kind of very likewise. Justin Watson had a great week two, whereas Justin Watson been after that. So I, as I kind of allude to, Tony's the guy I think has the most opportunity. They traded for him. did the most talent. The other guys are kind of just fillers. Watson's got some decent talent, and I'd be guy I mean, I'm watching, but I'm not buying right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Darius Tony will be moving up. He'll probably inside my top 24 receivers. I am willing to take a shot on him because they're, they're going to have to feature him in some form or fashion, especially when it comes to the red zone. And the good news about him is that he's better after the catch than any of those other wide receivers are as well. Actually, statistically uh, not. I don't, I don't care what statistically is that. Physically, he's better than those guys after the catch. I don't even want to hear that, especially better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, uh, that, that one won't argue. <laughs> let's go to the wide receivers of well, the chargers it's it's hard to determine because we don't know exactly who's going to be active if, if if mike williams plays keenan allen plays you're playing them especially against kansas city again this is going to be potentially a high scoring game a lot of pass attempts you got to play them if one of them misses you got to play josh palmer he might have been disappointing but two weeks ago against kansas city, he had 100 yards there's too much volume in this game to not play these guys, depending upon who's active and what situation they're in. Do you agree? I definitely agree. And I think the big difference, and people were up and down last week, but this, you know, Charger offensive line is definitely banged up. Right. It's a completely different front you're facing. The Chiefs Chiefs have some pass rushers, but they don't have a Bosa. And that's where the whole different story is, where he's living in the backfield last week. You know, Justin Herbert basically was getting knocked around. It was messed up, you know, his ribs. Uh, I think you have Keenan Allen there. You have a security blanket with Mike Williams there. Even if he's not, you know, totally healthy, he gets attention. It opens up things where Austin Eckler and Everett and everybody else kind of fill their roles easier. So I think it's, you know, you definitely want to play these guys if they're if they're out there. All right, so let's, let's talk about the 49er wide receivers, actually. Brandon Ayuk is my wide receiver 10 this week. I actually have him as a wide receiver 1. Now, Byron Murphy also didn't practice today, but even if he plays – that's not who he's going to cover. He's going to cover Debo because he works out of a slot mostly. He doesn't really work on the perimeter. Ayuk gets the plus matchup on the perimeter 
against the Arizona Cardinals for this week. Oh, and by the way, he's been the only pass catcher over the past month who's consistently gotten the ball, too. So there's also that. So Brent Ayuk, I'm firing him up while I have Debo back at wide receiver 24. Okay? Ayuk, last four games, over 80 yards. Three touchdowns in those last four games. Debo hasn't even gone over 50 yards except for three times so far this season. Yeah, you preach into the choir here, and I 100% agree. I think it's obvious who the priority passing attack, especially with Jimmy G is the quarterback. Uh, I think Ayuk's had eight targets at least on the last four or five six weeks going on now, definitely leading the team in targets overall. And as a result, Ayuk's the one that eats the passing attack. God knows how everybody else does, but Ayuk's going to be usually pretty okay. Debo, by the way, look, the name value right now still has value. Okay, it's still there. People will make trades for Debo Samuel. Do it if you still can. Uh, Hayden Hurst, as long as, again, this goes back to Jamar Chase being out. If Jamar Chase is out, there's volume to be had. Hurst comes into the top 10 tight end. He just has enough volume to get him there. And when he married my one, I guess, yeah, I mean, other options, you could definitely be an option. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty much what it boils down to when it comes to the tight end position. Oh, what a travesty that is. All right, let's get to our Be Cautious of. Be Cautious of. Because Kenny Pickett, all right, he might get the volume this week in case this game has a chance to be a shootout game if the Bengals have their way. But I don't, I don't see it really coming to fruition. And even if it does, I don't like him against the Bengals defense, even in two quarterback leagues. And the other guy I want to look out for or be cautious of, I should say, is Trey McBride. So we're talking about the tight end position. People are desperate. And people might look at Trey McBride. Well, well, I, I, I like I liked him coming out of the NFL draft. I think he's actually a pretty good tight end. And people look at it like, well, they they utilize Zach Ertz, well, they utilize Trey McBride. First of all, it's not a good match against San Francisco. Second of all, he's a rookie tight end with not a huge athletic skill set. I'm going to stay away from him until we actually see him be officially a part of this passing offense. Yeah, I definitely tend to agree with McBride. I like his talent a lot, and I do think he's got some physical skill sets, but I don't think that he necessarily is something I think Kyle Murray's going to trust, and that's all that matters when Kyle Murray's the quarterback. Now, I will say if you're looking for a dart throw or have really shallow leads tight ends, that if Colt McCoy plays the quarterback position, I wouldn't hate that option, especially when we do our show tomorrow on DFS, where I think he's a guy that could be somebody that you can throw in at the cheap. Yeah, th- that would be the interesting scenario if Colt McCoy is, in fact, the quarterback. But that does it for our main show. Now let's get to the mailbag segment. Time, time, the mail's here. Now remember, all you have to do to get in the mailbag segment, hit us up on social media, at Show. We'll help you out with any of your questions all week long. I pick out a few of my favorite ones, and we'll talk about them here on the show. So first up, we have Keckles 12 do I trade Curtis Samuel for Chris Godwin? And I, I, Chris, I picked out this question because I was sitting there and I was trying to scratch my head and figure out how does Curtis Samuel still have value? Does, has anybody been watching the Commanders for the past month? Yeah, I'm. I'm a fellow. Maybe it's the idea that Carson Wentz could be back at the quarterback at some point. But I, I saw this question, you know, coming into this before the show, and to me, this is a no-brainer. I think absolutely, you, you definitely, um, like. I don't understand how this is a question. I don't understand. If you can get this trade, yeah, yeah, pull the trigger. But if people still out there still think Curtis Samuel is somehow going to turn a corner at some point, the only to your point, the only chance he has is a car so wants to come back and be the quarterback. Taylor Heineke only has eyes for Terry McLaurin, and that is it. Uh, next question, Bobby Apehan. But, but, damn, real yeah, quick on that, 
even if he becomes, you know, gets back into those good graces, what's his upside compared to, to Godwin? I mean, looking at Godwin, who's been no, super consistent, has been terrible you know, physically for the most part this year, he has nothing but upside to still go. That's all you're getting at Curtis Samuel is like six catches and 40 yards. And really looked like he turned the corner, actually, last week, too. Uh, Bobby Apans, trade Sutton for Tony Pollard. This is an interesting, this is an interesting question to me, especially now that we know that Jerry Judy is not going to be on the IR. It's not going to be one of being a series of injuries we thought it might be. Now, all of a sudden, we're in a situation where like, hmm, well, okay, Tony Pollard. I don't know if Tony Pollard ever becomes anything less than an RB2 with upside because I think with Zeke and his hyperextended knee, any injury whatsoever to him that limits his explosiveness in any capacity just makes him almost unbearable out there. I think Tony Pollard is not going to get left out of the offense at any point this season. I think I actually make this trade. I, I would lean more towards what you you have a strong need for. Like I like Cortland Sutton. I think his upside is still going to be there and he's got a pretty safe floor. I agree with you. Pollard's going to have, should have a continue to have usage. I don't know if I agree that Zeke's going to, you know, is so messed up that he can't kind of regain his form. I think his knee, they're t- trying to be overly cautious to make sure he's going to be okay because they want to have them for the long term. Um, but I think that Pollard should have a role. I just worry about you know, the Gallup being more healthy as the town goes on, the OBJ talk, does Pollard kind of get phased out a little bit as the season progresses, where Cortland Sutton's probably going to be there no matter what, because he's the only thing they have right now. He's the only thing they have right now, but when Judy comes back in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, then we go right back to who knows who gets the targets. So that, no, that's, that's kind of where... That that's kind of where I'm going with Tony Pollard. Uh, we got a question coming in actually on a live stream. Sean Walsh, who should I start at the flex, Latavius Murray or Josh Palmer? Assuming at least one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams misses, it would be Josh Palmer for me. Yeah, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth, and I apologize for that. But I think I had to go with Josh Palmer with that. <laughs> okay, uh, Cabo three two five. Would you drop Brandon Cooks for Paris Campbell? in a full-point PPR league right now. Oh, how sad Brandon Cooks has become. Uh, my answer is yes. I don't know why they just didn't trade him. If your plan was to not use him, why didn't you trade him away? He has no value to the Houston Texans who are in a complete rebuild mode. None whatsoever. Doesn't make any sense. It's the same It's the same tangent I had to go off on the Cleveland Browns yesterday about with, with Kareem Hunt. If you weren't going to use him anyway... Why'd you keep him on the team? Because he doesn't give you any value. Paris Campbell, yes. every game that Matt Ryan has started, at least the last three games, has gotten double-digit targets and a touchdown. I probably do make that move. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was saying, it sounds like you know, it's short for the Jets coaching staff that just seem to be able to find them, figure out ways to use guys. Um, but, yeah, I think this is something that's you know, definitely an interesting question. I will question – I would – I know Paris Campbell had the nice floor. Brandon Cooks, I probably would do the move too because I just think that his days are numbered in Houston. He did have four or five catches, I think, last week for 40-something yards. You're not going to get a whole lot for either guy. Um, but the way Houston's kind of playing their players, it seems that Nico Collins and Damian Pierce are the only guys they care about getting the ball and nobody else matters. So, Yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. much that wraps up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow with the Cashing Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Of course, Chaz Florida will join us for that, and we'll go over our DFS picks for the week. We'll talk about our contest giveaway, the Bill Bates jersey for November, three-time Super Bowl champion. That'll be coming up 
all tomorrow night. So make sure you tune in for that. Follow us on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you know whenever we have new content available to you. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow night. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.